a happily married man with a beautiful, loving wife and three beautiful children with a fourth on the way, a great career, a large home, friends and family. Everything seemed perfect. Then you have a young single mother working a waitressing job to fund her way through school. Not a native to Clovis, New Mexico, she was deciding whether to make the move back home to San Diego. But a divorce and child custody made that complicated until she was found dead. Did the husband do it? Did the canceled date that night do it? There were many red herrings, but the elite major crimes unit put in the work and solved the case quick to get a potential serial killer off the streets. This case hits home for Sherry. Her grandparents live there. She knows the community very well. She's driven the killer's route. And this story proves what she always says, no place is safe. Things do happen here. Being smart, being rude, these are not just sayings for the end of a podcast. These are convictions that could save a life. This is a case of James Smith, and this is Outline of a Murder. His what? <clears throat> He's getting ready yeah, for the cruise. Or agave. I mean, agave and Topo Chico. Don't I, I yeah. messed up on putting in the small cups. Okay, so we're we're live. Right? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yep. And before Stephen goes and continues his stuff, we're going to have our taste first before we introduce each other. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or ourselves. So this is Ranch Water. Yes. A and- Texas... Well, I don't know if it's Texas. I know it's popular right now, and our neighbor Kevin actually created this recipe. Well, but and we're he doing lives in Texas, yeah. from Texas, Texas. and yeah. Ranch Water, and right? Mexico. Ranch, okay. and it is from Texas water. Okay. Oh yes. Wow. Yesterday. Yes. All right. So let's taste it. Okay. okay. Wait, we didn't do our. <gasps> don't touch. Don't drink. Mm. Come on. All right. <laughs> Um. What? What? <laughs> Strong? Um. Do you need some more? I might need a little more sweetener. Oh, you don't like tequila? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Steven. <laughs> Poor guy. Mine's good. <laughs> Goodness, like can it? I add Splenda to mine? Does well, anyone notice anything? Or more agave? So yeah, this is oh, yeah, you gotta have uh, guys. That's why I brought everything. Okay. Oh, I just went down this side. Now this one has much more agave in it. Okay. Can I borrow your spoon when you're done? Okay. Now yes. I may need more topo. That's what I'm saying. Like it's everything is to taste. Mine's good. Um, thank you, Mom. I'm shocked. Mm-hmm. I am too. Well, not really. She liked one of my concoctions oh, that I just threw together. Oh. Okay. It's sweeter. I think that one needs more topo. Okay, let me check. Better. Much better. Man, I feel like I've got all these glasses here. No. Okay. Elena? Hmm. Want to introduce yourself since we are live? Have the. Oh, the spoon? Yeah. Hi, I'm Elena. I'm Mom. And I'm Sherry, and believe it or not, this is an outline of a murder podcast. Uh, Okay, so super duper excited about this one. Okay. Because this is um, the location. We're back in Clovis. Clovis, New Mexico. Yes. And 
I knew a lot of the people involved. Oh. And um, I'm really close with one person. Unfortunately, I can't go into all the details that I know because it would break confidence. Um, But I can tell you for a fact that this guy was a budding serial killer. Okay. And I lived in the community when the murder occurred. So none of the people wanted to speak about it? No. Because of their safety or just privacy? Well, privacy, but also um, it's a painful topic, you know, and mm-hmm. some people um, maybe feel comfortable, you know, sharing things that helps them heal for this one and bringing it up to the family and asking permission and all that. Oh, it just yeah. wouldn't work. So I do have to say this uh, ranch water is delicious. It is delicious. Mm-hmm. If it's sweet enough. Yes. And, but it's, it's not to too taste, sweet. Right. Like it it takes a little bit of the bite out. Yeah. So it's really good. Mine's yeah. really good. I, I cannot believe mm, that. I know. I'm so oh, happy. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Does anyone notice anything? Nothing? No straw. Besides the slip. No straw. Slurp. Oh. Oh, because your teeth. Oh, it doesn't hurt your teeth. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, look. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> I, I mean, go ahead, ahead, Mom. I got more. <laughs> okay, so the guy that um, committed the crime, we're just going to say it straight up. Uh, I, again, I think he was a budding serial killer. His name was James Smith, or is James Smith. Uh, again, I've got some insider access, which I will share with you guys off air. I just don't want to, you know, get things in trouble mm-hmm. uh now his family i can tell you this was solid um you know i think i met them i knew of them they were prominent they were uh, and they might still be alive but they were just normal people they you know and i couldn't find anything or anyone that could have anything negative to say about them because you know like sometimes I think, you know, you have people where their child commits a murder and they get blamed for it. Other people, you know, their child commits a murder and maybe they did raise them right and something was wrong to begin with. Absolutely. So, you know, you have both where abuse can contribute um, to some of the dysfunction and the other times not. And you have parents blame it on the victim, too. Yeah. Because their kid, their son, their daughter couldn't have done that unless they were provoked. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, So, from what I could tell, he grew up in a a well-adjusted family, um, and I did, though, find evidence of stalking early in life, and... um, Of of many people, or just this particular one? Of an individual. Oh, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And... uh, And then um, there were definitely some red flags. So we're going to dive into it. But much of the information that I'm going to share with you guys comes from an an arrest warrant uh, that I um, read filed with the Ninth Judicial Court by Clovis Police Police Department, Roman J. Romero, on December 20th, 2005. So it comes directly from the the report Mm -hmm. uh, or the affidavit. And then also Paula Zahn's. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. episode it's season eight uh episode 16 twisted obsession and so some of the details come there but i remember the day the victim's body was discovered wow. because she was posed 
So I immediately was like, uh, oh, what year? like I got nervous, um, 2005. I got nervous because it's not normal. You don't po- pose victims normally, you know? Yeah. So it's like if you kill someone and it was like a crime of rage or maybe you are a killer and you murder, you, you, there's a, I guess you would say a specific thinking process to go to the point where you're posing the body. So that becomes a very important aspect. And you see that with serial killers. It's not your run of the day killer. So the posing, you feel that it was a budding serial killer. Do you know if the first stalking victim looked like this one? Okay. And um, and she said yes. We'll get into all the details. Okay. But that when I heard that on the news that a body had been found on CR sixteen, I'm like, okay, that um, that is interesting because she was posed. So I was actually concerned that we definitely had a killer in the community and that he probably wouldn't stop. Usually serial killers tend to be pose. Yeah, they tend to pose. Showboat. They like to showboat. Um, Now, I have discovered that uh, serial killers are full of rage. Like a lot of people don't know that, but they are. They're rageful killers, like maybe other murders are motivated by anger and rage too. But they also enjoy killing and they have a specific fantasy, a very well-developed fantasy life mm. um, where they want to carry it out. And it's the case with him, which we'll get into. Okay. Um, now... On December 10th, 2005, at 2.42 p.m., Curry County Sheriff deputies were dispatched to Curry County Road C and Curry Road 16. It appears that two hunters discovered the new body of a female in a ditch, and at first they thought it was a mannequin. Whoa. It's never a, a mannequin. mannequin. No. I'm gonna have t shirts made. Well, no, it's I'm never a mannequin. It's never a mannequin. And every time they're like, I just thought it was a mannequin. No. Yeah, because no, you, it's not. You don't think that happens. You don't want it to think that that's a real body. You're yeah, like your brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a mannequin. It's a mannequin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like your it's brain's not real. like, Oh, it's not, you know, yeah. whatever. You see you... those all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, I see mannequins all the time when I'm on the Road. No, I meant like <laughs> in the stores. <laughs> I mean, your you, brain's familiar with the mannequin. If you think about it, like you're not going to see mannequins everywhere no. either. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to see them just living on the side of the road. So mm-hmm. the chances are it might be a body. You know? Yeah. I get it. I get it. That was funny. Um, okay, so the body was a petite white female in her late twenties to early thirties. She was nude, mm-hmm. so that's another sign to me. She had marks consistent with bludgeoning on her forehead. Detectives could not find any clothing. They couldn't find any identification of the victim at the scene. All they had was the victim had a tattoo butterfly on her lower back, and that was it. Do you figure that all the clothes and, and IDs and taken because they didn't want to DNA, you know? Or identifier. Yeah. Her to be well, able to be identified. Well, in yeah. DNA. They could yeah. with the... Well, DNA Tattoo, but DNA for, you know, like falling off a hem, a hair, or, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Could be. Uh, also souvenirs, you know, but I also think it was part of his fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, to humiliate her? No, I just think it was part of her fa- his fantasy, which we'll get into. Okay. 
Uh, also, she had scratches and scrapes on her lower body and a circular bruising on her middle back. A circular oh. bruising. Which I wonder if it was from the rape. I don't know. What kind of raping are you thinking of with the circular bruising? Yeah, if you're on carpet, it'll do a carpet burn and it'll bruise. Well, I get the carpet burn, but a circular bruising. Uh, Maybe a tool or a weapon, maybe? I don't know. I mean, we're talking a circle. She had also been cleaned thoroughly. It looked like her hair had been combed back. And every move was well thought out and meticulous because there was very little evidence. Mm. Yeah. She had been placed gently on the ground, leading police to believe that it was someone that had feelings for her. Major crimes was activated, which I had no idea that we had had major major crimes. crimes. And they arrived on the scene. They collected an empty Bud Light bottle, which will be important, in the area of the crime scene that they put in evidence. And uh, it was fascinating just knowing these people, like the DA and just all of that stuff. It was mm-hmm. fascinating. I'm so proud of how they solved this. They did a really good job. So when her, where her body was disposed, of which I, I will have video on the website, I drove it. So I went out to the crime scene. Um, it took me a bit, but I went out to the crime scene. And then me and my husband drove from where she worked to her home, and timed everything. Okay. And um, and we'll get into that as well in a, a little bit. But where her body was, so that part of the country is flat. Um, it borders Texas, so it's the plains, it's flat, there's lots of tumbleweeds. And so in the winter, because, um, you know, it's December 10th, the, the um, shrubs and all of that are, you know, dead. Mm-hmm. But often in the, that area of the country, you'll have like little shoots of grass, too, that are green. So she was placed in some overgrown, slightly overgrown dry uh, foliage with tumbleweeds and other weeds. But sh- So she was well hidden, however, um, not hidden enough. Mm-hmm. So I think think it was very important for the killer to pose her versus hiding her yeah mm-hmm. you know agree. to find yeah. her yeah and Oof. um and now the tumble tumbleweeds are crazy there i remember uh years and years ago that uh air force base is special ops now but back then it was an air force base they had to get people out of their homes on a certain part of town because the tumbleweeds were up to the roof what and they could people couldn't get out of their houses what? oh yeah my. oh yeah it made front page page i want to see all that, that. I was it was crazy thinking, i want to see articles That's of crazy. Crazy. pictures <laughs> never heard of that um, okay, so that weekend, the Pleasant Hill pheasant hunt drew hundreds to the area. I didn't know that there were pheasant hunts out there. Huh. Investigators felt the killer knew she would be discovered sooner than later because of that event. Did y'all hear that? Yes. Yeah. So that means he wanted her found. Mm-hmm. He wanted to show his handiwork. So, yep. see this kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, we were yeah. we were in danger here as yeah. a community. That was a dangerous uh, person. Um, I and again, his work probably was very important to be you know out displayed. And they felt that she had been placed there that night or right before the sun came up. Okay. Well, how they determine okay. that? Because it was cold, which could delay. 
you know, the decomposition yeah. and timing. Well, I'm thinking probably the time of death, but I don't know how they came to that conclusion because it is desolate. Mm-hmm. But it could be like was there dew under her body? Was you oh, know yeah. were there people oh, gotcha. in the area and they didn't you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. not sure how they came to that conclusion, but that's what they thought. Her body was transfor- uh, transported to a local funeral home, and then Matt Chandler, the DA, was viewing the victim's body, and he's like, I know this girl. Mm. And it dawned on him. He's like, wait a minute. I think I have seen her. I think she's a waitress at the rib crib. Oh. And uh, so he remembered someone similar looking that had served him and that she was really good at her job, pleasant. Uh, and his colleagues, like two to three months before this. So um, he remembered that a state trooper knew the waitress. And um, he had taught her in a self-defense class. So, you know, they saw each other and oh, they kind of have a little bit of a conversation. Good for her. And uh, the state trooper told Chandler, yeah, her name's Laura. And so he goes up to the rib crib and he said in the interview, I was really hoping she was at work. And he got there and she was not at work. And so he got her address and he he and his detectives went there. So where she lived is right down the street from where dad and grandpa lived. Oh, literally close. Yeah. It's like you could walk there in probably less than five minutes. Wow. And um, so when they got there, her purse, and I'd like y'all's ideas on this too. Mm -hmm. So her purse was on the front porch. Like it had been set down. Of their home. Of her home. Okay. So it didn't look like it had. Right. It might have dropped, but it almost like, you know, you'll set your bag down to open your door and And things like that. And look for things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I don't know if it was dropped or if it was set down, Mm -hmm. but it was on the front porch and then her car was in the driveway. So they knew that she had gotten inside her house though, because um, her waitress apron was on the dresser. Her kids were with her ex-husband. His name uh, is Jeff McNaughton, and he had to later go identify her body. Mm. Um, Officers found another uh, empty Bud Light beer bottle in the trash, but Laura's family said that she did not drink beer. There would not have been any beer in the house, so it was not her beer. I was wondering if the purse and the apron were posed. Well, Mm -hmm. what I'm wondering um, is, well, it gets a little bit more confusing. So let me give you the rest rest of the details, and then we can maybe break down scenarios. was walking in and knew him and invited him, and then he became a little, and she dropped her purse. Yeah. Yeah. A little crazy. I don't know. The autopsy um, said that there were blunt force injuries to her forehead that could have eventually killed her. But the official cause of death was asphyxiation, which means she was strangled to death um, versus being throttled like Gabby Petito. So the strangulation is not where her head was being bound, you know, pounded into the ground. It was a slow death Mm -hmm. and it doesn't sound as rage filled. So Mm -hmm. that was interesting Mm -hmm. to me. Um, And then... The coroner felt that the abrasions on her legs were from a rough surface rubbing them. So the officers immediately asked if the bed of a truck with a rhino lining might oh, be able dang. to produce those marks. Yeah. They're everywhere yeah. in this community. 
I mean, every, and, and it's not always Rhino. You know, there's different brands, but right. people just call them that. Yeah. So it could have been any pickup, but they, they were instantly wondering if that was the case. Good job. Um, mm-hmm. And so I wondered, like, did they think that she had been transported and all of a sudden they're like, oh, a pickup? Yeah. Or did they already have somebody in mind Oh. And they knew that that oh. person had mm. a liner. They very smart. Very oh yeah, well. yeah. yeah they did really, really good. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, I mean, I've been there, and I I agree to an extent. I'm impressed. They um also knew that where she was discovered, she was not murdered there because again, she was posed, and there would have been some struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, the th- the coroner thought it was possible that it was a rhino liner. She did have food still in her stomach, so she died between 9.45 to midnight, December 9th. That's pretty brazen to go kill someone and then pose them out. I mean, yeah. And no one's seeing you. Yeah. <laughs> Again, do we know what time she got off work? I thought you had said that when she mm-hmm. got in home. Okay, so she didn't between 9.45 and midnight. So uh, I'm thinking that... Mm. Her shift ended at nine, but you know how you've got some things yeah. to do. She may have eaten. Uh, and yeah. I, I might have when she left the restaurant in my notes. Okay. But I'm getting to her house. So we, you know, again, went from there to her house. It was about eight to nine minutes. And uh, so she probably ate pretty, you know, pretty quick after sure. she got off work or right mm-hmm. before. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh Back to the purse. So there's some there's some speculation that when the perpetrator, so the perpetrator was at her house, and that some say that he snatched her outside of her house and then put her in his vehicle and banged her head against the um, the the side window of the passenger side door that he banged her head and incapacitated her because they said they had blood in the pickup later. But I couldn't find that in the police report. And it doesn't make sense oh, because no. she went inside the house. Yep. He was he was there. He drank a beer. Yeah. Yep. So she had to have let him in. And what I can tell you is she was very nice. And so it may have been hard for her to not invite him in. And, but she was weary of him, which we'll get into. Or maybe on the step, he sort of pushed her in, forced her I don't in, think so. Because her purse dropped. I, I personally believe she set it down. I think he startled her. Because where she lived um, at the time, so the, they're like little duplexes. And then across the street from the duplexes, it's like an open field. He could have parked. Well, when you go into where she lived, it's a one-way. And anybody can see you, but it's a one way. So you can only go in on the west side. So he either could park in the little parking lot that's across the street and waited for her, or he followed her, pulled up, and was at the door when she was getting in, and it startled her. And I'm thinking she either dropped her purse. Yeah, that's what I think. Or she set it down, and then, I mean, the dude was a dentist, and so I could see how she would be like, okay, just to get rid of this guy, mm-hmm. I'll let him come in, drink his beer, and then tell him to leave. Like, I don't think that she um, saw the danger necessarily. 
and I could see that happening in that small town. Um, but I think, but she, there's no struggle in the house. She had to be startled because I, who would just set their purse down? Well, so I have that's what I was about to say. And so my thought is, is, yeah, you can forget it. Especially if someone shows up at your doorstep, like you put your purse down to get in the house and someone's there, you may forget that you left your purse outside. Oh, but I here's the thing. My arm or... Let's say you put the purse down. Right. You're startled. You're going to invite the person in for a beer to get rid of the guy. You're going to be like, oh, I'm going to get my purse. Now, if you're scared, you're being forced in, you're going to forget your purse. Mm-hmm. He could have played around with her, meaning tortured her a bit. I know there's no signs of struggle. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Had a beer, taken his time. I do believe that he incapacitated her in the house. I do believe that. Chilled out, had a beer. Um, I, I didn't find any record of having like a gun or anything to get her to get in his, his vehicle. Okay. But being a dentist, I wonder if that mm. was her uh, doctor. Mm. Oh, that had some... Um, medicine in his there was no evidence that there was medicine in her well you said incapacitated how do you feel he incapacitated her i think he either strangled her or knocked her out okay Mm -hmm. the forehead bruising i think Mm -hmm. he either hit her head against something which might have been the truck um but how did he get her in the truck i mean it could it could have been something as simple as you're scared to death it's like little carrie lynn nixon she mm-hmm. could have gotten out of the vehicle and screamed her head off, but she was terrified. And so when you're in that situation, I don't know if you're thinking clearly mm-hmm. on what to do. And he may have scared her so much that she did what he said. I don't know. So the circle thing on her back, did you say it was an abrasion or a carpet burn? But it's a circle. A bruise. Right. Bruise. Mm-hmm. But it's was there? Yeah, was there a puncture? Mm-mm. Because that would make sense, like a reaction or, or medicine maybe, going. Yeah, maybe he did punch her in the yeah the middle of the back. Yeah, I think he got her in- incapacitated, and she was a tiny little thing, so it yeah. wouldn't have taken much. Okay. And I showed y'all a picture, right? No. So this is her. Oh, oh so pretty. How old did you say she is? In her 20, 20s. late 20s to Aww. 30. Um, this is her with her daddy. On her wedding day? Mm-hmm. Because she so, was an ex-husband with two children. Mm-hmm. Her parents <clears throat> were contacted. Her dad was retired Navy, and they both lived in San Diego, which is where she was from. Look at all those. Um, they immediately get in the car. As soon as they get the phone call, mm-hmm. they pack a few things. They're in the car. Absolutely. Um, both of them suspected the ex-husband. That she had met in San Diego. Always do. Uh, They moved to Clovis so that Jeff could take a job as a DJ. (laughs) Um, He had made some pretty mean comments on the air whenever um, uh, they were divorcing. Mm -hmm. So no sign of abuse to her? I don't think so. Um, It did enter in, though, in a bitter divorce. Uh, Laura was also working her way through school and she'd been planning on moving her and the kids back to San Diego. So they're like, okay, he may not want that. And so he immediately became a suspect. But the detective said that he was in anguish when he found out she was murdered. He, he just lost it. And, um, a, a light, a vigorous lie detector test was given. He passed it with flame flaming. 
Fly me. Hey, let's do it, man. Flaming and flying. Flying, flaming. (laughs) Okay, so she was 30. She was 30. Um, She was a single mother of two daughters. And they, of course, you know, Mm -hmm. put their little faces blurred. But um, she was working on her associate degree at the local community college. She had written a college essay a month before her death, describing her life as a working student and single mother. She wrote, quote, there were many times I wanted to give up the fight. But surprisingly, there was always one more fight left in me. That Mm. looks like a black eye. It does look a little... It sure does. Mm-hmm, it does. Hmm. Punctured of some sort. Her ex-husband said that telling his children their mother was dead was the worst night of his life. They mm. cried so hard their faces swelled up, and her 12-year-old daughter was most upset at the fact that the 6-year-old would not remember their mom. Oh. Okay. Love siblings. So the suspects, now this is interesting, and this is a picture of her with her mom. Mm. Oh, look at their smiles. They're identical. Okay. So Mm. after detectives were pretty sure that Jeff was uh, innocent, they looked at the next suspect. His name was Josh. And I guess Laura had plans with Josh that evening. And when she got home, she called and canceled. Uh Uh-huh. Oh. uh, And told him she would not be able to make it. So I think that he was already in the, the house. And um, so then he called her right back, and Uh it went to her answering machine. Interesting. He called right back. Something was up. Yeah. He got it. Good for him, Mm. Tron. Yeah. So I do. I think that 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 he was already in the house. She she's trying to say, hey, I got plans with someone. If anything, you know, if I don't show up, blah blah blah. And he's like, I guess you better call him and cancel. You know, and so she may have sounded stressed or maybe he just was like, why? You know, he might have called back like, hey, why are you canceling our plans? And he barely escaped being arrested, though. (gasps) This is crazy. This goes along with what we were discussing last night, that things that are so innocent when something like this happens, it can get you in jail. So what happened is police learned that that night Josh went to a local bar with friends after Laura canceled. And then he suddenly left for over an hour. When questioned, he said he went to shower, then returned to the bar at the exact time frame that Laura was murdered. And they also found blood in his back seat. Oh, I mean, that is suspicious. And they didn't go after him. Yeah, they did. I mean, like he was in jail. Yeah, type of go after. So they're after. like, um, why would you take a shower in the middle of a? That was their question. Why are you at a bar and then you leave to go shower and then go back to the bar at the exact time the girl who canceled her plans with you is murdered? I have two scenarios. What? We'll talk about them off air. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. They're Elena's. So scenarios. he said that the blood was bird blood because he was a hunter and the pheasant run and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And uh, that he would, but you know, d- detectives are like, well, who just throws bleeding animals in the back seat of their car? Hunters do. I guess. It's disgusting. Agreed. Anyway, he was cleared. It was animal blood. So then they're at a dead end. All right. Here's my two scenarios and it'll be clean. <laughs> Either he hooked up with the girl mm-hmm. at the bar, or yeah. he was going to hook up mm-hmm. with the girl at the yeah. bar. Yeah. Probably. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. So they go <laughs> back. Make sense. They go back to the rib crib because they don't have anybody. 
and they're you know questioning her coworkers, and they said there was this one guy that was quote weirding her out. He was described as a white male, blonde, slightly balding. He came in every Friday to drink one beer wearing scrubs. One bed lot. He would watch her every move and leave really big tips. Laura's hairstylist confirmed that there was a guy who made her uncomfortable. Her mother said that he was always hitting on her. And when she was out of town on Thanksgiving weekend and he went in and she wasn't working, he went ballistic. He was irate, and he wanted to know where she was and who she was with. Oh, my. Oh, my word. So she's talking to her mother in San Diego about him. Mm -hmm. Yep. Wow. Yeah, hairstylist, mom. I mean, this guy is definitely freaking her out. So the fact that he was irate and he wanted to know where she was and who she was with, already we've got this fantasy attachment to her where he views her as property. Yeah. Even though she's rebuffed his... His advances. advances. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So officers left cards at every medical and dental facility. Because he's wearing scrubs. Simply asking that medical personnel contact them. Oh. Chandler received a message from a dentist who worked at a local clinic that provided dental and medical services for those who couldn't afford insurance or the underprivileged. Mm. In fact, I went, for, I went to that clinic for years and I was excited that they had a dentist and I was going to make my appointment, and I kept forgetting. And then when I was like, oh, i got to make my appointment, he was arrested for a murder. And I was oh. like, wow, I'm glad that wow. I didn't make you know, that appointment. I wonder wow. if he met her at the clinic, or was it the restaurant? The restaurant. Hmm. So they, they charge like a, uh, the fee is based you know, on your income. Sliding, your sliding income. Yeah. yeah. And um, the dentist was Dr. Smith. So he called, um, you know, Chandler called Smith back and Smith requested to come to the police department to discuss the homicide. But no one mentioned a homicide. It wasn't even in the newspapers because the detectives, they kept everything quiet. They did an excellent job. Excellent. Wow. Excellent. And they didn't say why they were there. They just left their cards and asked for medical personnel to call them. So he's immediately... I want to discuss the homicide. And they're like, huh, interesting. But Mm. Chandler said that he knew the Smith family. So even though he said that, he didn't think much of it. Plus being a small community, you know, it gets out. But that was interesting. And he said once he said homicide, um, when they sat down, he was like, okay, we may have something here. All right, so this is uh, from Paula Zahn, and uh, let me play this uh, clip for you of wow. Dr. Smith. Clovis, Paula Zahn. Right. Each stop, detectives were very careful not to reveal the reason for their visit. We need uh, to know uh, some information about your employees and a small description of them. Investigators believed it would take weeks to sort through all of the potential suspects. 
District Attorney Chandler and his team were prepared to go through them one name at a time until they got an interesting call. A person by the name of James Smith asked me to return his phone call. We knew James Smith was a dentist. We knew a detective had been by there and left a card. Dr. Smith and his family were well-known in Clovis. Matt didn't expect much when he called him back. We were actually at a briefing at the moment, and all of the investigators and, and detectives were together. And so we decided to turn on the speakerphone and make the phone call. When the conversation began, Dr. Smith said that he had tried to reach one of the detectives, but his choice of words stunned everyone who was listening. And it wasn't even released. couldn't believe what they had just heard. Why had Smith mentioned the word homicide? The detective never indicated to the doctor's staff why he wanted to talk to him. He simply left a card and said, have him call me. Police suddenly had a lot of questions for Dr. James Smith. Okay. Wow. Real quick, on the, um, the uh, videos and the pictures, uh, was some of that Clovis, mm-hmm. like the street? And it whatnot. was mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, it was Prince Street. Nice. And we've got some more stuff um, at the end that we'll get to. That uh, he was, you know, talking and stuff in okay. the interview. Okay. So Detective um, Parker and Loomis of the sheriff's office interviewed Smith. At first, he said that he didn't know the victim, obviously. But then later, he said, "Well, he did know her, but from the restaurant where she worked." And Smith went on to say that his relationship with Laura was very limited, but somehow he knew that she had two children, uh, had gone to San Diego for Thanksgiving, and was a college student. But Did they're you just say, was he married? Uh-huh. Yeah. Did we'll he get children? to that. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's pretty sad actually. Um Can I can I just say if someone gives you the creeps? Well, first of all, don't give personal details to strangers. Well, she may not have. Because uh, now, at first, she may not have thought much about it. That's why I'm saying don't give personal details. She didn't details. tell him she was going out of town. He found out. He demanded yeah. to know where she was. Um, she, he may have not known she had two kids from her. Maybe he watched her. You know, like she sounded kind of like she was a little bit careful and standoffish with him. But I'm wondering, as a waitress, and you have to be friendly, if maybe mm-hmm. he asked her. Do you yeah. have any kids? She's like, oh, yeah, I've got two. Are you married? I think so that's natural. What I was going to say yeah. was don't give personal information to strangers, but also if someone does give you the creeps, don't give personal information. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. have both scenarios there yeah. is my thought. I, I agree with you. I don't know, though, like if you're a waitress, I mean, that would be easy for you. I don't know if it would be easy <laughs> for I've most people. Waitress and I'm like, Shoo. I, I mean, I've waitress, told, yeah, you know, I've strangers told, I got yeah. a son and... <laughs> You know, so I don't think I would think anything of that. But okay. if he was creeping me out, I probably would be like, why do you want to know? Uh-huh. Because you lead in, if you say something, like when I was in the office, you could say something and people automatically hmm. would add to it or, you know, say, oh, yeah, I had to go to my kids' games to this mm-hmm. weekend. And then I'm they like, just. I remember yeah. one time um, I was in uh, Florida at this conference. I think I told you guys this story before. And this girl sweetest girl but she started like 
I would say grilling. For her, she wasn't grilling. She was just curious about me. And she's like, are you married? Do you have kids? And I just looked at her and said, I'm sorry. I don't know you. <laughs> and it hurt her feeling so bad. And so later I apologized. But I'm like, why are you asking me all these questions? I don't know you. Some people, they'll just share their yeah. whole life, you know, and that was her way of connecting. I'm like, you need to back off. Why did you apologize? Because I did feel bad because she wasn't being rude. Uh, other people have asked me, are you married? Do you have kids? It just was so soon after meeting her yeah. that mm-hmm. I'm like, it's none of your business. Right. You know, so I was rude. And I didn't need to be rude. Okay. I could have said, I'm okay. sorry. I'm not comfortable yeah, answering that. Yeah, that's what I was asking. That. Why yeah. did you, know, you apologize? Like, no, you were, you were apologizing because you were being rude. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, so the staff said that he would wait for Laura. He would only sit in her stations. Um, mm. Now, I, I could see how at first she'd be friendly. She would engage in chit-chat because that's part of her job. But then over time, you know, she's starting to get weirded out by this guy. And she didn't want him at the restaurant anymore. She told her bosses, I don't want oh. him here. And But, you know, they can't. I mean, it's a customer. So I don't know if anybody would have known how serious this was. Because, again, you're in a small community. They could give him another waitress. Well, she he said in the restaurant. Yeah. So yeah. please, you know, take an opportunity to listen to your staff, your yeah. employees. Take I agree. some time. I agree. Uh, on December 9th, Smith admitted to going to the rib crib that evening and drinking a Budweiser light mm-hmm. with some friends. He then said he returned home that night, drank more beer. He, His very pregnant wife, she was eight months along, oh. was out of town, and his children were in Oklahoma. And I'll explain that in a second. He said that while he was home drinking beer, he called his wife about 10 and then again around 1 a.m., which was the possible times of death. Yeah. Um, I wonder if, if there were signs of abuse to the wife. Nothing. Mm-mm. Deputy Loomis got written consent from James to search his 2004 Ford green Ford Super Duty pickup and found a medium-length brownish hair on the right rear floorboard of the vehicle. And this is important because his wife and children all had blonde hair. Yeah. And the hair was consistent with Laura's latest hair color. Because you could tell yeah. she'd color her hair. They also found a dried piece of a piece of a weed, almost said piece of weed. It was not weed. <laughs> it was piece of a weed in the pocket of the right rear door that was similar to the weeds at the crime scene. Detectives wow. believed that the weed might have been severed from its stock when the vehicle door yeah. shut. Uh, based on the hair and the weed, the, a search warrant was issued on December 12th. So we're like two days into this. Blood evidence was found on the running board. So that's outside of the, the pickup. So, okay, here's why I bet happened. I bet he startled her when she went home. Because we know mm-hmm. he followed her. He probably startled her. Yeah. She forgets her purse or yes. she leaves it out on purpose. He convinces her to let him in. She knows it's getting weird. She has to cancel her plans. And then he's walking her to his pickup, and she may have started to panic, and he hit her head yeah. on the, the window outside the pickup, and then the blood fell on the running mm-hmm. board, and it incapacitated her. I do not believe that she 
um, allowed him into her house, not with telling the mom, telling the owners. Mm-hmm. But he yeah. had a beer. Yeah, but again, if you're Inside. in that situation, you trying might to try it, to diffuse it. it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So okay, okay. So that may be what happened. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. They also found some that was. Uh, let's see. Okay, some was found between the felt that lays against the window and the passenger side door as well. So I bet it was outside if it was on the running board. And I was thinking it was inside. Wow. So they think that he slammed her head into the window repeatedly. Um, Now, the source of the blood story can't be that relied upon, though. I'll just let you know. And I won't go into any more detail. Um, They're just not very trustworthy. Okay, the evidence was presented to Smith. When asked what he thought, he said, it doesn't look good. He couldn't give any reasons why the blood was in his vehicle. I found one report that said he went through the car wash on his way to the police station for that initial interview. He didn't clean very good. Nope. And the phone calls where he said he was talking to his wife. Well, it was actually Smith's wife that called five to ten times between those hours and could not get a hold of him. Smith said that he was outside smoking cigarettes. Why would um, you call so many times? Because she can't get a hold of him. Like, that's weird. Why are you not home? Oh, yeah. Between 9 and 1 o'clock. Like, that's just kind of, you know, strange. I don't think I would call five or ten times, though. They might be out, or she might have thought he had a girlfriend. Or... I would. I would, would want. You? Yeah, I would 100%. And if I couldn't get a hold of oh, Mike at some point, I would go look crap. for him. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, go yeah. find them. Let that, let that hmm. be known. Thirty-three. <laughs> okay, here we go. So this is. Oh, that's not who I pictured at all. Oh, he looks like a very broad, strong guy. Okay, so mm. we'll we'll play that toward the end. I just wanted to get it up. Okay. Okay. Wow. Um. Now let's see. He looks like oh no, the gig's up. Or in pleasure. All right. Let me let me look. <laughs> What happened? That's all we're asking, James. We wouldn't arrest you just to arrest someone. Okay? Yeah, I know that. I know that you guys have done you've done a great job. Ah. Oh. But Smith quickly caught himself and resumed his denials. He told detectives that on the night of the murder, he had passed out drunk in his home, and when he woke up. He discovered Laura dead on his deck. Baloney. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the fact he says y'all have done a great job. Yeah. Yeah. So he's busted. Now, later he said, I was there. I was there alone. We were watching. And then he stopped. Detectives immediately caught the Freudian slip. And that, you know, which is, by the way, quote, an utterance of the truth made with no conscious thought to control it. Nice. In case you were wondering. Thank you. I looked that up. <laughs> I was wondering. Go ahead. Oh, you wanted no, to know I was what, it was wondering, what it was? <laughs> okay. So for d- deputies, this meant that Smith was doing some type of activity with Laura that night. And it sounds like they were both at his house. Uh, he agreed to take a lie detective detector test that Wednesday so police let him go uh, in the early morning hours of December 13th because they couldn't pin it on him like they've got some evidence but they're wanting this lie detector test 
On the same day, December 13th, deputies responded to a threat of suicide around 2.46 p.m. at the Smith residence, which, by the Mm -hmm. way, I drove to that as well, Um, which I'll get into that in a second. Uh, Deputies found James Smith bleeding from three self-inflicted knife wounds to his abdomen. (laughs) They found a note to his wife on the dining room table saying that he had not killed that woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dissociation. Mm-hmm. What detectives thought was interesting is that he finished the sentence denying killing Laura with a period, and then he added the exclamation point as an afterthought. That's not a typical way to end a sentence where you're adamant and decisive denying, I did not do that. You'll put an exclamation point. Mm-hmm. What he did is a period. So the detectives noticed that. Dang. Yeah. I'm very impressed. I know. Me too. And not because it's Clovis, because I've been there with um, violence and crime, and it doesn't yes, seem to, <laughs> multiple times. Right. And it, you know, there doesn't seem to be movement. No. Mm-hmm. Yes. I could agree with that. <laughs> um, I have also been there when. But this is major crimes, you know, it's yeah. major crimes. Shout so they're out. obviously doing a fabulous job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they take good old Smith to the local hospital. Then they flew him to a nearby hospital in Lubbock for trauma care. According to medical personnel, none of the wounds were life-threatening. Right. Detectives couldn't help but note that he would have had basic anatomy training as a dentist and a good idea where to stab that wouldn't actually kill him. (laughs) And who stabs themselves in the stomach to commit suicide? If you really want to commit suicide, you'll do it where you'll definitely die or you get a gun. Especially a man, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think it was for for show. Absolutely. Um, But I'm not really sure what the motive was. So was the motive to get eyes off himself? um, To to me, that leaves me guilt. No, to supposedly... Uh, I'm sorry, position yourself as um, uh, innocent. Go ahead, sure. That's what I was thinking. So to get yeah. the eyes off of himself to make people think he was innocent yeah. or to gain sympathy from his wife and make her think he was innocent. I okay. believe that more than the other. Okay. I mean, if you commit suicide after you're accused of murder, to me that's, I'm guilty. Well, and they didn't yeah. accuse him yet. Mm. They're just like, why is there blood, James, on your pickup? James. 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 Don't. <laughs> so police interview the wife. They found out that Smith had called her and told her, don't bring the kids home. He told her that he was going to commit suicide and she could find him behind the pump house. She said that Smith told her he was nervous about the polygraph and that there was circumstantial evidence linking him to a murder, but he did not do it. He said that he'd only flirted with her and that the police were going to pin the murder on him. She said that he seemed calm at the end of their conversation. Now, I can't imagine what she's thinking. I wonder if she believed him. So she was actually in a different town. Her kids were in Oklahoma visiting her parents. And I think she was in Amarillo. And again, she was pregnant, right? And, um, And so she's probably like, what is happening she was pregnant with her fourth child. Her husband's wanting to commit suicide. She was a beautiful woman. She was a Christian. And she thought she had a great husband. Hmm. 
Detective Romero said in his report that Smith's actions were, quote, more consistent with actions of a person who, based on my experience, feels remorse for some activity that they have been a party to. Also, based on his medical background, James Smith would have the knowledge necessary to know exactly where to stab himself. They also wonder if he took some meds first to deaden the pain as well. Sure. So what do y'all think? I don't think he had remorse. No. 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 Not at all. I didn't either. What I wonder is if maybe he did know his life was never going to be the same and that he was going to go to prison and he would rather... But again, he he stabbed himself where you can't die. No, I don't believe yeah. that it was an attempt Sympathy. of suicide. No, not at all. So it had to be for show. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay. We're judging that. Yeah. So the details of the case weren't out yet, right? Um, so they do, some of them thought, well, maybe he did it because he didn't want to embarrass his family, all that. But I'm with you guys. I think that, you know, he was trying to get attention off himself or that he was innocent it was staged. and i don't think he cared if he embarrassed his family but the hmm. poop birds idiot move to commit a fake suicide resulted in them able to get a search warrant for their house for his house and How his so? two offices because oh. his attempted suicide is um in response to being questioned to the murder so now they go before the judge and they're like hey this dude you know, oh, okay. and he's scared to take the polygraph. And so the judge is like, mm-hmm. all right. So awesome. he, they could search his house. Nice. They discovered several things. First, the phone, which was a landline. For those of you that don't know, you see they were connected to wires in the wall and all that stuff <laughs> before. So right. in your home, you may still have a plug. Yeah. That's what that plug is, people. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they were able True. to, his his um, phone was able to store a, a large amount of numbers and messages. At the time, Detective Farkas noticed that there were 37 messages stored on the phone. However, the numbers received and called December 9th through the morning of the 10th were erased. What time again? Between the 9th and the 10th. She was murdered between those two days in the early morning hours. And they couldn't bring it back or get... Mm-mm. Why did so he, he erase, erase the them? numbers? They uh, well, probably because a wife called five to ten times. Okay, and or he the, wanted to erase that evidence. Gotcha. Because he, sh- said he wasn't he available. Her. Yeah. Okay, but he could probably they could probably get it on the phone records. Right? Well, yeah, but not at the time. No. Gotcha. So then they found a paper thrown away without being read. It was the first report that announced the body that was discovered. So it wasn't even read. The paper was just thrown away immediately. Interesting. It was thrown away. Not yep. kept. Um, let's see. Uh, now, here's the deal of him not wanting to look at the newspaper. A lot of people have said, even with serial killers, that their first kill is the most special, but also very traumatic. Mm. And that they go through like a whole range of emotions. Denial, maybe. Yeah. And that they killed somebody. And this is who you are. You know, you're a killer. He probably would have done it again. I believe he would have done it again, but Agreed. I also believe he it freaked him out. I think he liked it, but I think it freaked him out that he actually killed somebody and he didn't want to see any evidence of it. Yeah. I also think that he was probably really nervous he was going to get busted. And if he got busted, you know, he didn't want to be reminded of that part. And mm-hmm. embarrassing how that would be for him. Yep. Mm. Okay. 
Now, um, on December 14th, search warrants were given for his dental offices at the local clinic for electronic media, computers, writing, and other items. They didn't find much at the office that was closest to his home in Clovis, but they did find a lot at his office in Portales, which is about 20 miles away. Here's what they found. Officers who executed the search warrant at La Casa de Buena Salud Portales offices seized multiple items. Of these items, they seized a poster of Hilary Duff, an actress. The poster had been physically altered with a black marker. The right eyebrow, nose, and belly button of Duff had been uh, had the addition of a piercing drawn into them. The piercing to the eyebrow was a bolt, the nose was a stud, and the belly button was a hoop. Other drawings had been made onto the poster, including the lips being shaded black and tattoos placed on the chest of Duff on the poster. Dang. The piercing of the eyebrows, a bolt, and the nose and the belly button is consistent with piercings worn by Laura McNaughton. Oh. In the same office, officers seize a large... Uh, or a laptop computer and a lockable box. The top of the lockable box had a post-it note uh, taped to the top. It said, in the case of my demise, give to my wife. Now, you're not going to believe what he wanted his wife given. So the, um, the note was a type used by the practice, having an advertisement of a medication on its face. The handwriting on the post-it note was similar based on a layman visual comparison to the note left by James Smith just prior to his suicide attempt. This item will be sent to the lab for comparison. I believe that the note in the case of my demise was written after James Smith determined he was going to commit suicide. This is the police officer talking. Within the box was a CD DVD holder, which could hold a large amount of loose DVDs or CDs. And within the case were DVDs with some titles named Pretty Dead Girl, Westward Hose, Terminated Traitors, True Detective, and Living Doll. An internet search was done on Pretty Dead Girl, and on this site... At www.nofreelist.com, the movie was described as a short musical about a guy named Morty uh, working at a morgue who had an unhealthy obsession with all the pretty dead girls that came through the place. The majority of the DVDs were productions of a company called Rue Morgue. An internet search was conducted on Rue Morgue. For the movie True Detective, the site states the following about the movie. A beautiful young model is hired for an out-of-the-ordinary photo shoot where real crimes are reenacted. The photographer puts the lovely model through the paces of scenes of strangling, shooting, stabbing, and hanging until he goes well beyond reenactment. He's left with a gorgeous, naked corpse to pose as he wishes. Mm. Sound familiar? Yep. Wanted to leave to his wife. When he's finished, he tosses the girl's limp body into a trash can and deposits her into an anonymous dumpster. The movies were quickly reviewed. The movies depicted strangulation of females, homicide of females, sexual acts with dead females, and morgue scenes where a character cleans and checks body for evidence. Other Mm. photos on the website show posing of dead bodies. Initial information received from the Office of the Medical Examiner revealed information that Laura McNaughton had been strangled and ruled this as the cause of death. This is consistent with the common theme of suicide shown by the videos that had been seized. Laura McNaughton's body was found naked on County Road C, having been laid in a culvert. On the website for Rue Morgue, there is a section on body posing. 
And That's one, what he left for his wife? And one of the photos in this section oh. showed a naked female body laid in a culvert. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. It gets worse. Um, so Smith lived in Oklahoma when he went to college. And um, I think this is where he met his wife. But he lived in Oklahoma during the Oklahoma City bombing. Another person who knew him very well uh, said that people said that by him working on the dead bodies, that that's what threw him over the edge. But I told the lady, because I know her really well, I said, I don't think so, because I have background information I can't share. But I told her, I said, no, I think something was wrong with him from when he was a teenager or before. And she said, you know, she said, one night I was, because every 4th of July they would hang out with friends, and he was always there. And on one 4th of July, um, she, his wife was not there, and he came to the, the usual party. Her and her friends are in the, the hot tub, and he's basically hitting on her friends and making yeah. them very uncomfortable, so uncomfortable that they got out. That was the July before he killed Laura. Mm. Here's the thing on the morgue piece, like that's chosen, right? Well, I'm not sure because he was in college at the time. Yeah. It was an emergency. He's got some medical training. So they probably grabbed as many people as they could to process the victims because there were so many. Okay. So um, okay. I don't I don't know. I don't know if, you know, it was a volunteer situation or, hey, we're going to do this as part of your training, you know, as class and stuff, or if it was just like, let's help because he's, you know, they need help because mm-hmm. there were so many. Um, the coroner stated that there were attempts of rape on Laura's body, but it didn't seem like it was successful. Wow. So I'm wondering if like, so he was obviously into death porn. Did Uh he try to rape her after, or maybe he was freaking out and Uh he couldn't achieve an erection? Mm, That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Mm. Or, from my understanding, um, there's to a point where um, pornography doesn't work as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And so maybe he was to that point. Oh, I think he was. 100%. He had to go to a live victim. And then Hillary Duff and her look a little bit similar. Yeah. So he was definitely fixated. Some have also said, um, not in any of the official reports, that she looked like his favorite porn star. Um, I wasn't able to confirm that. I just know from a pretty good source. But you know how rumors can be, and so I can't verify that that was the case. But it's possible, though. It's possible. Yeah. So DNA confirmed the blood was hers. Prosecution immediately sought the death penalty. In order to avoid death, Smith put in the Alford plea, which means he mm-hmm. agrees that there's plenty of evidence to convict him, but he won't confess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he was sentenced to life plus some, but he's eligible for parole in 57 years. The Oklahoma State Bureau also looked at him for th- uh, four to five murders oh. of sex workers around Lawton, Oklahoma, um, which is in the area where he had lived before. They were killed between 1999 and 2002. Their naked bodies were found on country roads, mm. but they have since said that he's not connected, and I tried to find out why, and I couldn't. I hunted and hunted trying to figure out. The only thing I can think of is that maybe he was too young at the time. Do you think that was his only 
murder I do. with her? I do. Just because of his reaction to it, the way he acted, um, he, he didn't seem like a seasoned killer. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I do. I think that. Okay, um, so here's what I think happened. Smith said they killed Laura by accident, that she died quickly at his home during a very physical embrace. He tried <laughs> to say that Laura... Uh, agreed to kinky sex with asphyxiation and they accidentally strangled her. It's crap. Don't believe that. He also said that he passed out and he discovered her dead I on his deck. I don't believe that either. Okay, so I believe that on December 9th, which was a Friday, he goes to the rib crib as usual. He has his, his one beer, probably at her station. His wife and kids are gone. He's been obsessed for months, and he decided tonight's the night. Yeah. I believe he followed her home when she got off work. Rib crib closes around 10 nowadays. Um, I don't know if either she got off a bit early or if they closed earlier at the time, but she did get off before 11, we know, because she was the time of death was between 9.45 and midnight, some say 11. Police believe she was abducted outside her home. I'm not sure because of the beer bottle, the fact that her apron was in there. So I think at some point he convinced her to let him in or he got in there unwillingly on her part. He had his beer. He then takes her outside. He incapacitates her, puts her in his vehicle, um, and then... He took her to his house in an unconscious or semi-conscious state where he killed her. He attempted to rape her, and then he put her on the back porch and took a nap. Oh, my. Then he woke up, drove around the country looking for a good spot to dump her body. He posed her, and then he left. And then from driving the route um, and seeing where she was dumped, it was important for her to be posed because it's a, it's a wide open area. It's desolate, but I went there, I saw it. She would have been easily seen. Um, the roads, uh, are a little bit tricky. So he had to have been local, you know, so obviously he was, Mm -hmm. yeah, he had 16 minutes to change his mind. 16. I drove it. Yep. Oh yeah. He had 16 minutes. Um, I believe he wanted to act out some type of fantasy from porn, porn addiction and snuff films that he was, it was premeditated with no thought to her little girls or her family whose lives have been shattered. Nope, just his. Marie Beardmore, her mother, asked defense counsel to move so she could see James Smith as she addressed him. Ooh. You took a beautiful life, she said. I don't know what made you commit such a violent crime. I don't know what happened to you. When did you change? 21, 22. You don't have the opportunity to be called a doctor anymore. You're just a killer, a rapist, and a predator. I don't understand you. You know, a man is supposed to be given an upper strength and the strength in his body to protect a woman. Did you protect Laura that night? You used it for your advantage. You beat her to death. A man is supposed to protect his wife. Did you protect your wife that night and your children? Look where you've left your own children where you left my grandchildren. Why don't you step up to the plate and admit what you did? McNaughton's father, David Beardmore, called Smith a psychopath, which I agree with, and said to all those who knew Laura, she'll be sorely missed. Today will be the first chapter on your way to hell. I love her statement. Yeah, very well. We will never forgive you, or at least I won't. You cross the line, and now you have to pay the price. Now, 
Um, wow. wonder what his reaction was. Nothing. He was a coward. I've got a picture, but I can't get it up because I have a dog in my lap. Oh. <laughs> um, but I would say, because we can't victim blame because we've never been in this situation. So, no. But I would say where she lived, if she would have started screaming, someone would have gone out. Oh, really? And don't ever let anybody in your home. Especially if they give you the creeps. If they have a gun or a knife, I get it. But to me, guys, it's like, you know, obviously not giving you advice on what to do. But if if I was in that situation, I would have taken a chance and I would have screamed my head off. Yeah. I would have ran to the neighbor's house. I would have done something. But you're in terror, you know. Um, But I wish she would have. But sometimes your mind doesn't work like they come in, they're going to kill me. I mean, lots of times I've had people over. But again, she talked to her mom in San Diego about him. Her hairdresser, the manager Mm -hmm. of Rib Crib, obviously the staff. But don't you think? Gave her the creeps. Your mind, I've told you this before, but when we were robbed, you knew we were being robbed because things were missing. But your mind doesn't think could possibly go there it, that anybody yeah it doesn't mine go does. there mine does but a majority of people i think that wouldn't go yeah well but yeah. She, but he gave her the creeps mm-hmm. and i do think she was scared from the start mm-hmm. i know if i work somewhere and i was scared by somebody and they show mm-hmm. up on my porch i know it's yeah. something's really wrong and um yeah it's really sad but yeah, Dang. he had 16 minutes. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I'll put the videos on there and people can see me and my husband. We're driving it. I'm, you know, we're sharing our thoughts and stuff. So is he still alive? Yes. And here's, um, here's the picture of him at trial. A little twerp. Oh, he looks Creepy different. Looking. Yeah, he looks different. And that's his arrest. Oh, look at that nose. And then this yeah. is him. Did you call him a pig? <laughs> and the, this wow. is her parents at where her body was. Oh, yep. So sad. Is there still a memorial there? No. Mm-mm. Well, maybe we should put one. Go put one up there. Yeah. All right. The mm. saying. The saying. Okay. Be smart. Be rude. And don't be a victim. And I am so proud. Well, <laughs> so right proud. In front of us nope. Didn't look because Elena did not look. I do mine. Outline of a Murder is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph? Ah!